Welcome back to No Nonsense Storytime. I'm Chris Panico. And I'm Robert Hoffman. This week, our final week of 2000... Well, maybe. 2019. We are going to be reading A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Yep. Uh, That's actually not the full title of the story. Do you know what the full title is? No. Please tell me how I am wrong. The title is A Christmas Carol, period, in prose, period, being a ghost story of Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) He really wanted to make it clear what the story was about. A Christmas Carol, in prose, being a ghost story of Christmas. Was he worried people would think that it was poetry? I guess in pro- a Christmas Carol, they like they're gonna like oh it's a it's a Christmas Carol written in here. Oh, like it was a song. <laughs> yeah, it's a Christmas Carol in in prose. Um, it's a go- it's a ghost story. Okay, guys, what do you want? It's a title. <laughs> it's it's a very snappy title for sure. Yeah. Um. Charles Dickens is a is a very very famous author. I've never heard of him. He was English. Oh, I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the English one. Sorry. I just, he, you know. he is definitely like the most famous writer from like the Victorian mm-hmm. era of like British English literature. Yeah. Um, David Copperfield, Oliver Twist, Great Expectations, A Tale of Two Cities. All those big, thick, sort of bland, important books that people know about i've not read any of them myself um i've read great expectations part parts of it i haven't read the whole thing but yeah and a christmas carol yeah i don't think i've actually read read a christmas carol so i might not be qualified to do this podcast today i believe i've read all of it i know that i mean i've seen many i've seen the muppet christmas carol yeah i was in one once wow Uh, there were no muppets involved in it oh bummer which was yeah which is was patrick stewart in it that's my favorite one no patrick stewart no muppets uh no jim carrey what's even the point no no scrooge mcduck oh man (laughs) yeah it was garbage but whatever Uh, i've moved past it it's all right. It's all right. I think I think I have read it though, uh, because we did this thing in college where it uh, it was Dickens by the fire, and it was, I think it was an every year thing where people would take turns reading parts of a Christmas Carol. That sounds cozy. And yeah, very cozy. Um, fun fact about Charles Dickens was when he was young, he got a job working at a factory to pay off his father's debts because he was imprisoned for being in debt. Yep. Call that debtor's prison. Yes. I don't know if that's true. No, it is actually. Okay. It felt yeah. true. Um and sometime after that was when his writing career really took off and Yep, yep. Well, yeah, it wasn't when he was a child. Right. <laughs> he he, he uh, found work as a junior clerk in a law office. And that's He's how he learned how to write. He studied shorthand. And mm. then he, because he learned shorthand, he was able to get a job as a reporter. 
covering elections. So, yeah, that's how I learned how to write. That's a really cool story, actually. Yeah. Um, I think, like, people in our socioeconomic sphere take reading and writing at um, for granted as skills. You know, like, I don't think I even really know anyone who can't read or write outside of, like, two-year-olds. Yeah. Right. You know? So, thinking of someone as being an adult and having to learn how to do those things is kind of, like, com- compelling. That's the word I want. It's very compelling. Yeah. One thought that I do have about it is that, like, yes, I know that most, if not all, of the people I know are literate. Uh, there are varying levels of literacy, you know? Right. And so, like, I don't want to call anybody out by name, but I definitely know people who officially know how to read and write, but probably wouldn't really make it all the way through a book. Yeah. You know? There's more to reading a book than just physically being able to read what the words are. Yeah. You know? Um, I think I know people who couldn't get through a book either. Yeah. Uh, Which, I mean, yeah, it's a, uh, not, you know. Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. But considering how prominent of a literary figure Charles Dickens is, knowing that he has this whole genesis of learning to write... I don't know if really he didn't cool. know how to write at all, or if this was just him learning how to be a good writer. I'm not sure. Hmm. It's not very clearly laid out in the source that I have. Okay. Could be either way. I think it's just, it's still good if it's learning, you know, the craft of writing, mm-hmm. as opposed to the action of writing. But if it's about learning how to write, period, then that's super cool. You know, because he has to like go through all this work just to learn how to do it. Yeah, and then he can then he synthesizes those skills into all of the work that he created. Yeah, that's I mean that's such a like heartwarming story to believe Mm -hmm. because it's like I as an adult can be like, well, I don't know how to do this now, but I could still, I still have, I could still do it. Yeah, because Charles Dickens did. Yeah. And, like, you know, Alan Rickman didn't get his first big acting role till he was in his 40s or something like that. Yep. But, you know, you see those little Facebook charts of, like, this person didn't do this till then, and this person didn't do this till then. You can do it. Keep it up. Can I tell you another fun fact about Charles Dickens? I would really like that. Charles Dickens, uh, I'm just going to read. I'm on the Mental Floss article about Charles Dickens right now. Oh. Um, And I'm going to read fact number nine. Charles Dickens had pet ravens and kept them around even after they died. What a boss. Let me tell you a little bit about this. So he had a raven that he loved very much. The raven's name was Grip. That's so cool. Okay. I want a raven. Grip died later that year um, by eating lead paint chips. So Dickens replaced Grip with another raven. You know what that raven's name was? Um, Grip was the name of the raven. I wanted it to be like Grab. That Grip died next. 
And then Dickens had a taxidermist stuff and mount the bird. Um, and do you know where that bird is now? Where? The, flea, the Free Library of Philadelphia. Are you serious? We can go see grip number two. That's so cool. And Like the main branch on yeah. the avenue or the parkway? Yes. And now I want to go see. I have to go see that now. So Second Crip was allegedly the inspiration behind Edgar Allan Edgar Allen Poe's poem, The Raven. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I need to go see Grip too. That's so cool. Yep. Thank you for bringing that fact to us, Bobby. You're welcome. Would you also like to bring a recap of the story to us? I guess, yeah. Okay. Uh, a Christmas Carol. So there's this guy named Scrooge who runs a business and he has like one employee whose name is bob bob cratchit and poor bob he doesn't he has to like fight for getting the day off on on christmas and scrooge is like oh fine you fine and uh he's very you know mean he gets an invitation to go see his family from his nephew and he's like no i'm not no uh his nephew's name is fred by the way and yeah it's christmas eve i should mention that that's mm -hmm. one of this it's christmas eve when the story starts uh and then he so he goes to bed that night and um he is is woken by the ghost of his former business partner uh jacob marley who is like hey you are bad, man, and I'm going to show you why. Actually, I'm not going to show you, but there's going to be three ghosts who come and they do. And then he leaves. And Scrooge is very afraid. And then the first ghost comes is the ghost of Christmas past, who shows Scrooge his past when he was a happy little, fun little boy. And he just shows him what happened and how he became this foolish, business-minded person who only cares about money. Um, and then shows him what he's missing out on. And then it's time for Christmas present. Uh, and that ghost comes and shows him, uh, Bob Cratchit's family and his little son who's going to die real soon. If uh, tiny nothing, Tim. yeah, tiny Tim, if nothing changes and shows him his own family who is like, you know, talking about how. He's a bad man and all that stuff. Uh, and then Ghost of Christmas Future comes. And this is the worst of all. Shows Scrooge his self being all dead. Not his body, but his gravestone. Mm -hmm. Like this is, is this what you want? Do you want to die? But that one, I feel like he's going to die either way, probably. Yeah, Am I missing something? They do before he gets to the graveyard and sees his grave. He is brought to like some place where they're auctioning off his clothes and like oh, all of his worldly materials. Yeah, got it, got it. And he's just hearing people talk about how got nobody it. cares you're right, you're that right. he's dead. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yep. Scrooge um, dead. No. Cares. And I think that that is really where it comes from. Yes. Like the, sorry. The Thank anguish. you for being here for this recap and. Putting in the important stuff. You can find me here most of the time. Right, it is right here house. in this corner. <laughs> Continue. And then he wakes up the next day, and it's Christmas, and he's a changed man, and he goes and 
he's like goes to his family and you know makes them happy and then he goes and sees Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim and what does he give him a goose or something I don't know he has some random kid buy a goose and bring it to him yeah yeah it's uh I don't know you know he's a changed man he loves Christmas now and he's gonna live his life in a loving way and give people time off whatever Tiny Tim probably won't die uh god blesses everyone that's it yeah excellent recap thank you i feel like i really kind of struggled through it (laughs) it's a it's a full book yeah you know so this is a little different than most of what we do it's not a children's book per se no um but it has been adapted into so many different iterations and many of those are directed towards children yeah muppets the flintstones i'd say this is like a this is a family book this is like yeah when it's a family a... story. I feel like when it was written as a book, maybe it was not directed in such a way. You know, like, you could read this as, like, a novel, like, for your own adult enjoyment. I, you know? I, I see it as him publishing something that, like, a parent would read to their kids, maybe. I could see that. That's, that's how I've always felt about it. Like, it's not something that you'd give your kids to read. But it's something that, like, maybe on Christmas Eve, you know, you read it to Dad them. comes out and reads this because it's not that long. It's not. Yeah, that's true. It's a, it's a novella. That's true. You could you could read it all in one go if you wanted to. It it is it's long though. You it's could do it like Dickens writing style. You know, like Twelve Days of Christmas, like yeah, a little bit every here. night before bed. That's how it's always felt to me. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't really know the. Uh, I don't know what he was going for with it. Yeah. Um, but it's longer than a children's book. Yes. So there's more going on than we normally would have to recap. Well done, Bobby. I'm so <sighs> impressed. Thank you. By your skills. All right, Chris, what's the setting? <laughs> um, England. There we go. This is a, this is a nice one. <laughs> Victorian age. Yeah. This is a good, good one. Right? It is Victorian. I'm not in the wrong. Yeah. Time period? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Victorian, England. And it's like in London, I'm pretty sure. I think so. I'm like pretty convinced it's in London. Um, it's a city. And I'm pretty sure that's the only city in England. That's the only one. So. 100%. I think the rest, they're just like farms and shacks. Farms? <laughs> it's, what is it? It's farms, shacks. <laughs> pastures. And pastures they have. Oh, they do have a few cottages out by the ocean. Oh, I forgot about the ocean cottages. Uh-huh. By and the, that's the England. by the strait, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since we talked smack on England. <laughs> it's we gotta we'll do it more often now. Yeah. Um. And the moral of the story, I would say, is <sighs> to be generous. <clears throat> yeah, what goes around comes around. Yes. Pretty straightforward moral. But the more compelling part of this story is how most of it's not possible. So much nonsense. Almost in this most one. almost all of it. Almost mm-hmm. most of it. Um Let me say this. It's not a dream. No, it's not a dream. Not a dream. Can't be. The beginning of the story is 
real and fine. The ending of the story is real and fine. It's just all the stuff that happens in between. Yeah. You know, between when he goes home that night to when he wakes up the next morning. Yeah. Well, so we're only talking about like maybe an eight hour, a, like an eight to 12 hour period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't a dream. Wasn't a dream. Now, in the story, he says it's... Um, so I think sometimes he refers to it as dreams, and other times he refers to it as hallucinations brought on by, like, food poisoning. Yeah. Um, which I guess we could go with that, but I have never experienced hallucinations like that from food poisoning. Yeah. No, no way. You know? No way. So you have a different kind of bad time when you have food poisoning. Yes. So... And it's a it's a bad time for sure. Sure is. Maybe food poisoning meant a different thing back then, because now we know enough about food that like you know you're not gonna be eating food that's gonna make you hallucinate by accident. Oh, that's true. Like maybe he had like some crazy mushrooms in his. Yeah, could have been that. But I think that's not what we get in this story. That's not what Charles Dickens is telling us. He's telling us that the ghost of Christmas past is showing up. Mm-hmm. And doing this stuff. Yeah. So. Who... And I say that because that's going to make this episode a lot more interesting. Yes. <laughs> so. Who are these ghosts? Well, they're obviously people. They must be people. Right. Um, and none of them take. All of them take the form of people. Yeah. Right. Like they're all humanoid. They all look like people. Yep. Um, at least in every iteration that I've seen. Unless they looked like Muppets, but that is a different universe. So, they are people. Jacob Marley is supposed to have died eight years ago. Mm-hmm. He didn't die. He faked his own death? He faked his own death. I'm on board with this. I'm because here. he he's the only, like, he comes back and Scrooge recognizes him yeah. as Jacob Marley. Mm-hmm. So he faked his own death to get out of being a business partner with Scrooge because he was that terrible. And then, mm-hmm. eight years later... He probably had, like, a contract where he couldn't, like, get out of business with him. Yeah. Without dying. Right. That makes sense. Scrooge would draw up that type of contract. Right. Oh, and you know what? So, yeah, so he dies. Fake dies. Fake, fake dies, gets out of the contract. And maybe... He was helped by Bob Cratchit. Ooh, is there a cahoots in this story? There must be, and here's why. Because Bob Cratchit must know that Jacob Marley is still alive. And he must know that because Jacob Marley, assuming he's the one who orchestrates this whole ghost thing, and it does seem that way, Mm -hmm. the fact that they go, he takes him at night to Bob Cratchit's house, and he's in there pretending it's christmas day with his family Mm -hmm. that had to be planned yes so So that's a okay so that's a that's all set up it's set up the cratchits are all is it cratchits it's the cratchits yeah cratchits they're all acting they're all in on it they're in on it i mean i'm even thinking can we stop for a second and recognize that they brought their very sick tiny child in on this whole scheme assuming he's really as sick (laughs) as they're saying because bob cratchit here's the thing jacob marley 
He fakes his own death. He gets out of there. Is he Bob, has he has no reason to go back. Is Bob Cratchit the villain in this story? I don't know if he's a villain. We'll get there. But <laughs> okay. I could see Bob Cratchit being like, wait a second. I know that Jacob Marley's still alive. I blackmail him. And maybe it's not blackmail. But I have he's the... Gray you know, mail. He's gonna He's gray mail. He's going to do what I say because he knows that I could expose him as still alive and get him back in this contract. And mm-hmm. all I want is for him... To make, he's the only one because he can come back as a ghost. He's the only one with the power to make Scrooge change how much of a jerk he is to me. Mm-hmm. It's an awful boss. I'm tired of it. Yeah, I that's what I would do. Yeah, so he goes and gets Jacob Marley. Okay, who agrees to it? Maybe because of the blackmail. Maybe because he himself wants to make Ebenezer Scrooge poop inside his gown. Yeah, <laughs> he's wearing a gown, right? I've never thought about this story and not imagined Ebenezer Scrooge wearing a gown. Can you poop inside a gown? Wouldn't it just fall on the floor? Um, I mean, yes. The poop, the pooping happens in the gown. The poop does not stay in the gown. It goes down to the floor. But he's still pooping in the gown. That's a good one. Thank you. Um, okay, so why don't we start, like, sussing out, like, the technical aspect of, of this whole charade. Um, Jacob Marley's scene is easy. He ghosts himself out, breaks into Scrooge's house. He probably can do that. He was very close to Scrooge. Yeah. Um. Probably has a key still. Yeah, scares him. Ooh, this is the chain I forged in life. Da, 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 da. Yours is twice the length. Yeah. Bad, bad man. Wink, wink. And then he leaves. Ghosts are gonna come. Enter the Ghost of Christmas Past. I think this is the hardest one. The Ghost of Christmas Past. How does that one work again? So, I think it might depend on which iteration, but in general, I think what you see is the Ghost of Christmas Past brings Scrooge back to Christmases that have happened. Right. And... Yes, has and shows watch them. So like there's the one at his schoolhouse where he's all alone and like, you know, you learn how sad and miserable Christmas is around him. There's another one where he's working for Fezziwig. Yeah. And, and they're at a party. And they're at a party, and then that's where he meets his, his future fiance. Fiance, right. I don't think they get married, yeah. And then there's another one where you see them break up yes. because he's scrooging out. Right. Um, so that has a lot of scenes, a lot of, like, A lot of people characters. that have to be recognized, yeah. Yeah, so how... How? Yeah, this I, is tough. I think the recognition is not so hard, because, you know, you get older, your memory gets fuzzy, like... We've talked about, in our last episode, the power of suggestion. Yeah. And just, like, the right scenery, the right clothes, the right situation, a close enough visage... And I'm sure you could get someone to believe, like, oh, that that does look like me when I was six. Yeah. You know, like, how many people are that aware of what they really looked like when they were six? But how are the? I mean, like, it's Victorian England. Mm-hmm. Are you traveling all over to find people that fit these characters and getting them costumes? And That's the thing I'm not sure. Because not only do you have to do that, you have to do that. You also need three different settings yeah 
You need a schoolhouse. You need like a workplace for the Fezziwig party. And then I guess you need some... I guess it was like on a road in some English place. Yeah. Where they, they broke up or something. It's not that those locations aren't on hand, but you need to be able to travel to them quickly. Very quickly. And have all of these people there ready to reenact it. So I'm thinking these people don't really know what's going on. They think they're just doing a local theater production. Mm-hmm. This can be funded because when Jacob Marley faked his own death, he made sure all like the accounts were worked up so that he has access to his life insurance policy, yeah. which paid out in dividends. Yeah. Because he's a businessman. He's smart. He, he probably made sky high stacks when he fake died. So it's not hard for him to cover the expense of all of this. So it's, yeah. It's, it doesn't even have, like, it doesn't, these people don't have to look like the people. Yeah, they not, just have not to, that much. It has to be clear. Like, if you go and watch, like, a, a, a stage production of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, you can see who the characters are. Yeah, and you know that's Scrooge. If someone did a stage production of something important in your life, you would recognize them as the yeah. people, you know? Like, even if they don't look like them. So maybe... And the fact that he's already amped up thinking that this is a ghost... Right. You know? He might just be like, the ghost is showing me... Like, it just makes it creepier that they don't look like the right people. You know? Right. You know, it doesn't even necessarily have to be that he's really being taken back to view what happens. From his perspective, it could just be that he's being shown a representation of what happened. Yeah. So... It, they may not even be beholden to to living up to the standards of what it actually looked like. That's true. But I do think you need to have some level of what actually occurred. Which makes me believe that Bell is in on this as well. And she must be connected to Jacob Marley in some way? Yeah. Or at least he was able to find her. Mm-hmm. I mean, how far could she have gone? Probably not far. And even even just like even just interviewing her and finding out the details of what happened, I'm sure she'd be happy to to you know. Maybe not happy to talk about it. Like, it's probably not a good memory, but, like, happy to be like, no, look, he did a bad thing and here's what it was, you know? Because she was clearly the one who was right in the situation. Yeah. And people like talking about times when they were right. That's true. So, whether or not she was actually, like, part of it, part of it, or he just, like, I'm just saying, like, I, I think it's reasonable that he would have been able to ask around and find enough people to create a pretty realistic representation of these three scenes Mm -hmm. enough so that it would it would resonate yeah and i think that he may not have to travel that far to get the locations for these you know like the party would could just be any 
workhouse in London. Right. Um, he may even actually have access to Fezziwig's old workhouse. Um, if it's just a workhouse next to a school, and then there's outside there, you just need to find that location yeah, and secure I, it, and you're I, good. I do think in the representations, like in the, the um, what do you call it? The one with Patrick Stewart. The the schoolhouse is like in a more rural area. It's not like in London. Uh huh. But you know, the ghosts could like have a carriage and just drive them yeah. out there. Why yeah, not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Um. Does think... that fit within the time frame? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think the Ghost of Christmas Present would take up the bulk of the night. Well, so, yeah. Yeah. Because of how many, how far they have to go. Because they have to go outside of London. Yeah. Because the Ghost of Christmas present and future do not. Everything that they all see is in London. I don't even know that the Ghost of Christmas present has to go outside of London. Oh, you're saying, the, saying pa- the, one, a- the one of the past. Yeah, yeah. The Ghost of Pr- Christmas past does to Got get it. that okay. setting for the schoolhouse. Got it. But everyone else stays in London so they could fit those yes. things in much shorter. Yeah, agreed. Um So it's a lot of actors, a lot of money changing hands from Jacob Marley to the the working class of London. Yep. Which is nice. Um Christmas present. We know that the Cratchits are in on it. And then I suppose Fred's family must be too. Why not? I mean, it's in their best interest. Yeah. They would want... This is sort of like a very convoluted intervention. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, and the Fred one might have even been like a last minute thing. After... Like, maybe it was the kind of thing where Marley went to Fred's family and was like, Hey, do you want this? Like... Do you want to do this? And they're like, well, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know. And then they invited Scrooge and he said no. And then they, that sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's easy. That's literally, he just takes Scrooge to the different places in London and yeah. sees what's happening. Yep. Um, And like the people are putting it on. But as far as like setting and all that, that's super easy. And then... The ghost of Christmas past is or future is pretty easy too, right? It's just a person in a cloak. They don't even have to look like anything. Mm-hmm. And then they set up like the people auctioning off schools or schools, Scrooge's stuff, and then they bring him to a graveyard. They yeah. They have to make like an Ebenezer Scrooge headstone, but that's it's, definitely within. It's just Marty's like an budget. easier version of Christmas past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, the headstone, that's something. Probably had to, like, put it in a graveyard, which is... Yeah, they probably just bought a plot, and yep. were like, you don't have to put anything in it, just just put this tombstone yeah. here. Yeah, interesting. But yeah. And then it works. It works. It did work. So what does Jacob Marley do after all of this? He, uh... I don't know, it goes back to whatever his life was. So was his motivation just 
the altruism of trying to make Scrooge a better person. No, I think Bob Cratchit just blackmailed him. It's like, look, oh, that's you, right. Either you do this, or I tell Scrooge the truth. And if you're if you're Jacob Marley, I feel like my thing would be like, well, I don't want this being held above me forever. Mm-hmm. So maybe if Bob Cratchit was like, look, this you just do this one thing, and for and then. That seems very fair. Yeah. And it doesn't make... It doesn't make Cratchit villainous. It's quite a scheme. Yeah, it makes him uh, Machiavellian. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But But in a good way. uh, I mean, you could debate that. I I wouldn't call him a villain for sure. Um, But definitely sneaky. I, I would agree with that assessment it i do sneaky. not i do not agree with what he did uh, if i'm being honest there are more direct ways to do it for yeah. sure i'm but impressed with it it is possible that he's tried more direct ways and t- they have been to no avail uh-huh. you know so yeah. this might be his last ditch like the only way to get what i need is to make this man literally believe he's haunted yeah um, which I think maybe back in Victorian times was not as difficult as it would be now. That's true. But that's yeah. true. Yeah. So, well, Ebenezer of- Scrooge was a very, um, what's the word? When you, superstitious man. Super, yeah. That's like one of his characteristics. So, Right. So, I can see that in desperation, he might think that that's the only thing he can do. And, it. hey, it worked. It worked. It worked. Can't say it didn't work. Ugh, I'm tired. Me too. Um, what's the moral of this story now that we kind of know what's really happening? Um, the moral of the story is sometimes people have to see things firsthand. To, or here's a better way. Here's a here's a better one. Um, and this is sort of like. The, another like an alternate moral of the actual story is that if if you just if you are told that something is going on mm-hmm. you know you have a brain that can process that and kind of put it to the side but if you're forced to watch it happen mm-hmm. it's a it's hard to ignore yeah i would say that it's not a lot of people have the skill to look at things outside of their own perspective. Uh-huh. Um, but if you can, or if someone can force you to, it can be very eye-opening and really change the way you view the world and yourself. Because yes. that's essentially what's happening in the story. He's seeing how his behavior affects the world. From the world's perspective. Yeah. Which he's never done before. He's one of those people that's incapable of doing that. Mm-hmm. And when he sees it, it's so it's such a stark, like, startling realization that it actually changes who he is as a person. Yeah. Which oh. I think makes sense. If you can't do that and somehow you're enabled to do it, it probably does change you a lot. It's a it's an important thing to do in your life, I think. Yeah. It just takes time to think about what is my life like to other people? 
Yeah. What are my choices like to other people? And in a way that's not, you know, defensive or mm-hmm. really just set aside time and just think about it. Yeah. And I think at this time of the year, it's really important to try our best to practice our empathy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. Good job. Happy holidays, Happy Bobby. holidays. Hi, I'm Robert Hoffman. And I'm Chris Panico. And this has been No Nonsense Storytime. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we don't know what we're going to do next. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be a surprise. But in the meantime... We hope that you all enjoy a very happy holiday, whatever holidays you participate in or do not. Whatever you do, I hope it's a lot of fun. We hope it's a lot of fun. If you don't participate in any holidays, I hope you have a bad time. Yeah, because that is what we feel. That's how we feel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The one thing that we can say is that at the relative beginning of the year, let's say the first quarter, probably. Yeah. In our first quarter, we're going to get to our 50th episode of No Nonsense Storytime. We don't know what that will be exactly, but it's definitely going to be something special. Yes, we do have some ideas. If you have any ideas for what our 50th... Fifth, Tight fifth, segue, fifth, Bobby. Fifth, fishmas. <laughs> Merry Fishmas. If you have any idea what our 50th episode should be, do let us know. Yeah. Um, email us at nonsensestorytime at gmail.com. Com. I just looked at that email folder this morning. It's a lot of stuff from Apple. Oh my gosh. They're and so, they're and so from desperate. Anchor, our new um, podcast thing that we're a part of. Our, our fans. Yeah. Apple and Anchor. <laughs> Apple and Anchor. I love those the guys. The two A's. They're just so desperate, you know? Yeah. They just want our attention so badly. And it's like, <laughs> we have so many fans to think about. We can't. Yeah, come on, Apple and Anchor. We will see you in 2020. Thanks for listening.